0: Let's go little life out here. What the hell's going on out here? It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers Podcast. As usual, I'm your host. I'm just listening to the intro there, lads. Uh, We've Brett Favre which I hear people booing at and then we have Aaron Rodgers which some people are booing at some people have followed and bought Jets jerseys. I wonder do we have to hit Jordan Love to say some quote with fun in it. It's very hard to get it's very hard <laughs> to get. We'll we'll try to get him on an interview. But look, the draft is over. Um so Peter, you've spent 18 months plus and I dare say it's probably on the plus side and you were talking about 14 16 hour days. My god, man, on the run up to the draft. Um so it's all dissipated I guess but before we get to the draft Peter I just want to find out what stage of the process are you at because beforehand there was innuendos there was flirtation there was looking across the room at this draft there was batting your eyelids Peter I believe you are now in the bed with cigarette in hand with money on the dresser here and it's nearly time <laughs> to sort of bid uh, this stuff adieu <laughs> I don't know if that's a good analogy and you can you can just ignore it if you want because we know you're a modest straight up the uh, middle of the street kind of guy, but um, have you wound down yet, Peter? After all of it, and dare I say, if you started on next year's draft guide already,
0: probably. <laughs> um, I haven't. I haven't wound down that much yet. Right. Um, yes, I was actually working today on next year's oh. on next year's draft guide, which, which is actually a good time <laughs> to do some a bit of work on it, and then and then I can you know take a break for a little while. Um, but. Yeah, no, I haven't I haven't I I haven't fully wound down it yet. Yeah, I guess we're watching some of the undrafted free agents get signed and just trying to almost take a step back from the three days of the draft and just give it a little bit a little bit more thought about what it really means to the Packers. You know, they've got the upcoming decision around Jordan Love's fifth year option in the next day, all, all of that stuff. So it's kind of never ending, but it's kind yeah, of, this, this, you're, so, you're so cheery about it. It's kind of, you know,
1: this infinite loop that I'm stuck in. Um, so <laughs> you've put the, you, you just phrased it there, Pete, right? You said now is a good time to do a little bit of next year's draft guide. Yeah. Would I be right in saying that your wife would not use that phrase?
0: <laughs> Am I right in saying yeah. that? You're absolutely right. My my football pass, my draft pass has run out.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, did she use words like... Hellscape did she say hellscape maybe or widow I believe she mentioned the word widow football widow I think
0: she did yep <laughs> it's a bad time, I'm Pete. sure that I'm sure that there's a huge honey-do list for jobs around the house as well but
1: yeah which is do you know what's really annoying because it's not as if you were just sort of sitting back with the feet up you know these lads who exactly. come home and I'm one of these guys now now that I've sort of switched around jobs a bit, where I'm coming home and it takes me two hours to get home in traffic. Meanwhile, I'm singing, make it my way downtown, you know, in the car, delighted with myself <laughs> while the kids are just hanging out of Joan's neck. Um, and I get home and have to pretend that I had a really stressful day. Andy, um... So any advice for, for Pete here to on how to unwind after this? Because you're probably up the walls wired by this whole thing as well. Um not eighteen plus month draft guide wired, but at the same time, am I right in saying you get up, you watch the draft, you're digging through all of the all of the stats and all that kind of stuff again. So yeah. you unwind yeah, the wind down? over it?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I mean, firstly, I tip my hat to Peter. You know, I don't know how he does it. I mm. have
1: no propensity
2: to look at next year's draft at, at all. Mm. I, I mean, even my annual, you know, my year looks like you know, watch the season, or watch the Packers' heartbreaking loss in the playoffs. It takes me about two weeks to get over that, mm. and then I get into the sort of college stuff, and I really sort of get into it that way. Um, that that's how I enjoy my year, but. I couldn't do it 12 months a year <laughs> blow my brains I think so I think he's a uh, dedication is what you need if you want to be a record breaker and Pete certainly that so.
1: <laughs> Do you know what genius comes along with all this baggage and that is definitely Peter's yeah. baggage his he's poor wife I mean that's the thing you need that support from home um, and just again Peter what I will see is, is from everybody that's got in contact and especially for me um thank you so much for all of your expertise sure. every single year to, to give us the draft guide uh, to put it through the site and all that. It's incredible. And, the, you know, the reaction to it gets bigger and better. And I love seeing tweets like, every year my tradition is the same. I wait for Pete's draft guide to come out. And then when the draft is going on, they're pulling up the guide and trying to scoby out the players and stuff like that. Because I know, Andy, you were saying pre-prod where, you know, you were looking at the uh, Browns and, you know, all these other teams and... You know, not for you, Andy, of course, because, you, you know, these players inside out, I don't. But it's all these other lads like that, you know, to be going in and uh, looking at it. So, Peter, mammoth job um, on the draft guide and a well-deserved rest. And again, our thoughts and prayers with your wife, your poor suffering <laughs> wife through it all.
2: <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? I think what it is for me as well is when I look at a player and then I sort of go and read Peter's guide and sort of bio on the player, it vindicates what you see. Mm. Uh, and I think that's the great thing. It's that uh, you like somebody and then Peter also like somebody it sort of vindicates your sort of thought process as well and I, I really enjoy that it's like a security blanket it's like yes well if I like it and Peter likes it it must be okay yeah um, no, yeah, I, I,
1: had, um, I had that story about Curly Lambo's grandfather and I asked Pete did he know about it he said no I thought well that's a good one then <laughs> you know this is one to go with <laughs> nobody must know about this now <laughs> no. um, but yeah look I, I think you're right Andy I mean Peter's Guide does this really beautiful balancing act of articles and all that other extras that go into it that don't even really get mentioned but on top of that it's a profile for somebody who like you who sits on the expert level and then for me who doesn't watch college ball who sits on the haven't got a rashers level and it sort of meets us in the middle that I can read and go oh Jesus you know this guy won so and so this is what he weighs this is where he's predicted Um, and I just want to give an honourable shout out as well Andy you're Amazing at picking, you know, getting into the Packers' psyche and and zeroing in on these late round picks. I don't even know how you do it, um, especially with all the stuff, all of the picks that go on before and the trading and the wheeling and dealing. And um, but Peter, the accuracy of the where they sat on the draft guide versus where the actual Packers took them was insane, and it's madness because. That's where you have them graded without anybody else's help or uh, bias or influence or any of that kind of stuff. And then not only that, but that's the value of the player, not particularly where people are going to pick him. And we'll get to the Packers drafts now really, really soon. But Sean Clifford, the quarterback, was taken. Again, the Packers admitted they took him way too early. So it doesn't always work out that way, Pete. But I'm going to kick it to you and you're modestly going to just say, well, you know, it's all look at the draw. But when you hit on so many, Peter, it's unbelievable. For instance, Lucas Fanness, was 13 or 15, 13, 13 in your draft guide, and we picked them up at 13, which is just bananas. Were you, is it a sigh relief you, Pete, when you see stuff like that sort of wash out because it vindicates what you do for 18 months plus?
0: Yeah. I mean, you don't expect to get many that close or any that close. You, know, you expect even the closest ones to be one or two out. But, yeah. but yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 it really is. And, and, you know, as you alluded to, as you get further down the draft, then you get teams looking for specific needs and you get the oddball pick here and there. So you, so you don't expect to get, you know, pick 200 exactly right. Yeah. But certainly, you know, in the first 100 or so, 120 or so, you, you hope to have those reasonably close. And I think, yeah, I think this year, yeah, we did a, we did a decent job of, of, of doing that.
1: You know what, Peter, it's another feather to your cap, really, because between the two of yous, uh boxing off Jordan Love uh, back in the day and saying it, all of the little bits that you're building to this stellar reputation that you rightfully have, um, it's fantastic. It's really, really great to see. And it's I just find that that's another sort of we should and you're too modest to do it, but I think we need to strip back to the. the you know, the packs that we've put out over the years and just pull out those little bits of what you've hit on because, as you said, you've hit on them right the way down the draft, which is pretty incredible. Um, But Andy, let's let's dive into it then, I guess. You know, the draft, because here's what surprises me. And I just, there's some things I absolutely wish to reach in life, this level I want to reach on certain things. And I work really, really hard on it. Um, and one of the things that I always pride myself with having is sort of a level of confidence, you know, and I don't think I'll ever reach the level of confidence as, you know, whatever his name is, lickety split 74. And you can just copy paste this guy by about 10,000, right? Out on Twitter who, when the Packers select picks, and this year it particularly start rearing its ugly head when they selected uh, the quarterback, Sean Clifford, where there's a guy who, like you can just sense, has absolutely not seen a single snap of Sean Clifford yet is able to tell Goody and Scout and Co that it's trash. And I would love to have that confidence of never seeing a person play ever. And again, Sean Clifford was a guy who came into the Packers facility, he interviewed, he went through drills and all that kind of jazz. So they're very familiar with him. I would love to be able to call that guy who I've never even interacted with before, apart from seeing some guy on Twitter saying too early or too late or whatever, and then to go trash. So Andy... Um, How did you feel on the draft? Did you feel there was outliers there? What's your overall Andy Davies at Pooley Shrew vibe uh, to this year's draft?
2: I thought overall it was a great draft in a subpar draft class hmm. is how I would sort of encapsulate it all. I think they did a great job. I think there was a couple of oh, um, surprise picks shall we say um, and you've just described one the, the QB but I think it's always important to remember that whenever we are questioning picks it's not about questioning the individual that we have picked it's about questioning the thought process of why we've taken that person when there's other people available on the board yeah there's never it's never a personal attack at that person and um, that's the key isn't it it's whether we're getting value yeah and, and against other people on the board that decision-making process is the process that we're questioning, not the individual involved. And I think with Sean Clifford, you know, Gooty's come out and said, look, you know, we had three or four QBs on our board that were all taken, you know, throughout the course of the fourth round or the beginning of the fifth. And I would assume that they were Hayden O'Connell in tune in that order. Um, and we're left with one QB on the board, which is why they reached the Clifford. Mm. So he's explained the the rationale around that, I think, you know. And um, you have to trust that process, really, I suppose. And yes, he's overreached. Yes, he's probably gone probably two rounds too early on that individual. But their board, that's where they had him. Decision-making process explained, rationale explained. So, yeah, I I was... um, I was worried at that point because I thought the wheels might start to come off, given his track record, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> on day three. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my eyes, it was the best day three after that that he's had in his tenure as a Green Bay Packers general manager. I thought mm-hmm. it was excellent. And we'll come on to that.
1: Yeah, Pete. Again, like Andy says, you know, it's the it's when they come out and explain the pick and you understand when they reach, if that's because... Who was it that said it? Was it Ron Wolfe? Was it Ted Thompson when he says, if you want the guy, you just go get the guy? Um, and that's how it is. Now, yep. I don't know if that applies to, you know, uh, suspected undrafted free agent quarterback that you pick up in the fifth round. I don't think that was the sort of thought process there. I believe it was, it was Clay Matthews he was talking about. But a weird draft, beat was it with the quarterback, with the with the kicker? There was an awful lot of stuff in there that maybe we didn't expect. But what was your initial thoughts and feeling when the draft was happening and then after they picked their their full set?
0: So, so, so I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that day two and day three, uh, sorry, round two and round three and round four kind of made this draft for the Packers. And then the later picks of Carl Brooks and, um, Valentine, the corner, I think those kind of made the draft for me for the, for the, for the Packers. And I think, I think this is a nice draft class. And I just want to reiterate what Andy said. I mean, you know, there's people putting grades out about the, about the draft picks for for every team, and then there's people criticizing those people putting grades out. But I think what that what what those critics have to understand this isn't about grading the player. This isn't about or how good the player is going to be in a year's time or two years time or three years time. This is about looking at the pick and where he was taken at that point in time. Hmm. Right. So you know, was the guy a premium position? Was he value at the pick where he was? where he was taken, you know, was he the best player available or were there others still on the board at the point he was taken, you know, was it a position where there's a lot of depth at that position still to come Um, or was it a a position where there was a run on those players and actually there was a drop off after that guy. So take the quarterback that the Packers picked in the fifth round. So many quarterbacks had started to go at that point, you know, we had a record number of quarterbacks going in, in recent history that if you didn't take one then you probably weren't going to get one yeah so 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 that's why you kind of reach if that's the right word for a guy at that point but I think it's important to get that this is this is all about just trying to assess the pick as it's made on that particular day it's not trying to say this player is going to be a bad player or this player is going to be a great player it's about assessing where they were taken at that point in the draft
1: mm. Yeah, there's an awful lot of that as well. There's nuance in it too, and it depends on who it comes from, doesn't it? Because you will have people that say, oh, who won the preseason? <laughs> and you're kind of like, all right, let's let's uh, let's chill out. I-, I think it was down to where defense on paper was fantastic last year. And again, it was one of those weird things for me where I was like, all right, I understand it and I get why. And it should be, but it probably won't be. Not to be negative, but, you know, these things don't tend to pan out. And it didn't really pan out the way it was uh, supposed to pan out. Now, again, there was a lot of nuance in that too, Rashan Gary getting injured and all that kind of stuff. Um but if we stick on defense then, Lucas Van Ness gets called out on the thirteenth pick, who was the thirteenth uh player on your draft guide, uh Peter. Andy, are you happy with the pick? Would you have preferred them to go elsewhere with it? Like because again we did have Jackson Smith and Jigma still on the board. And um, what's your overall sort of vibe then on Van Ness in round one?
2: Yeah, good. Um, I think it's well documented our fondness for JSN. Um, I also thought Gonzalez was a, a top 10 player as well. So I think on my board, he was, Van Ness was probably the third choice. Um, but I understand the overall picture and the direction of travel that we took, um, given the, some of the things Peter's just described. Um, so I, I, I get it. I was pleased. Um, I would have been over the moon with JSN I'd I been... Um, quite surprised that Gar- Gonzalez dropped as far as he did and ended up going to the Patriots. Um, but yeah, it's solid. Yeah, solid, good um, potential. Uh, he's an athlete, position of need, uh, solid pick given the board. He's raw. He's got all the tools. Um, it looks like his dad's got good hands, so hopefully it's in the genes. Um.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you <laughs> know what, what I mean? That's... They talk about stepping up when you can and when it counts. You know what I mean? When you see an opportunity, take it. Certainly that seemed to yes. be what his dad was doing. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely questionable.
2: Yeah, yeah, Nine out of ten on the Raz for that one. Um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, he looks like a packer. <laughs> um, let's hopefully he turns it. I think it will take a, a little bit of a, a maturation process, as a bit like we've seen with Rashawn Gary. Um, mm. But obviously, um, yeah, a good addition, good addition to the ball club. Yeah, happy.
1: Peter uh, Lucas van Ness, what are we getting in this player? Is he super raw? Is it a Rashad and Gary project style of thing, or will he look to have an instant impact? Do you think for the team? I,
0: I, so I think, so I think that he has to have level of impact just because this you know this is a position of need for the Packers particularly with with Rashan Gary's injury but I do think his trajectory is probably very similar to Rashan Gary's yeah in the um you know th- this is a guy that I th- that I think we can expect to be reaching his uh, peaks probably too high a word but certainly you know a high level of play around around his th- his third year you know this is a um a young guy still less than 20 22 years old has hasn't got a great amount of college experience but he's certainly a guy on the up and he's yeah and as Andy says he's a he's a a good athlete he's got long arms he's strong so he's got all those things that you would you would want um I like the pick I absolutely do and and I and I understand it at edge I can't pretend it was the guy that I would have picked, as, yeah. as, as we well know. You know, Jackson Smith and Jigba was on the board at the time. So the air momentarily turned blue <laughs> when, when, when the Packers <laughs> picked Van, Van Ness. But, but I, don't dislike, I don't dislike the pick at all. You know, as we said, it's a position of need. He'll do, he'll do a, a, a job for the Packers. I just hope that his tra- trajectory, I can't even say the word, of, of travel is is faster than it would probably appear to be. Because I I think they need to get players that um, deliver relatively quickly.
1: And can you explain to me, Peter, why, you know, this guy goes in pick 13. He's a highly touted player, obviously, but his lack of college experience. Can you explain what you mean by lack of college experience? Because there's articles out there that are saying that this guy you know, sat behind other guys. He didn't get a whole lot of playing time. Um, and then there's other articles that say, oh, well, that's the narrative, but actually he got more than the others combined. What is the truth about this guy's playing time? So
0: so, so so, so, it's a bit of both, right? So if it can be a bit of both, it is, right? So so he didn't start at Iowa, but that's partly because that's Iowa's way of handling things. They tend to start seniors and, up, and upperclassmen rather than freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. So I'm not so so bothered about that i i think uh, and, and he had he played quite a bit but not it wasn't a full-time three down player play in play out right so so it was part more part of a of a rotation so i think i i think it's fair to say that he played more than zero starts would indicate right you can put that thing to bed and, and forget about it um but was part of a, a rotation where he played a lot on passing downs. Yeah, yes, some on early downs, but perhaps not as much as, say, Rashan Gary did at Michigan.
1: And is that a good, is it good or bad, Pete? I mean, is it looking well, at that and well, going, well, look at the potential he has when he actually does play full-time?
0: And right? I think, and I think that's, that's the thing, right? So, so there's two ways of looking at that. Obviously, the more a player plays in college, the better feel you probably get for that guy. But you also have to be careful of, is a guy already beat up? Is he carrying lots of injuries, niggling injuries and stuff because he's played so much? Mm. That, could, that can be an issue. But also, um, the, the other thing you have to be careful of when, they're not, when they've not played as much is it's easier in theory, for example, to show up in the fourth quarter when you've not been on the field very much. And, and make some impressive plays. Are you still making those plays in the fourth quarter when you've played the previous three quarters? Yeah, that's the that's the the question. And I'm not necessarily suggesting that's fully the case here, but that is one of the that is one of the question marks. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think the narrative about the zero starts and all of that. I think you could can, you can you can forget all that. I think this is a young player. Like I say, he's less than 22 years old. So, you know, he's two years younger than a vast number of guys who are are coming into this draft, and some even older than that, you know. And I I think he's absolutely a player on the rise. He's got all the athletic ability in the world. The question mark with those types of players, these types of players, is always, do they ever achieve the upside that they possibly have? Yeah. That's the, you know, that that's going to be the, the, the question.
1: Well, like what's interesting is, is that 22, you would imagine that if he's good enough to go 13th in this round one of this draft, you would imagine, as you say, his best ball is still ahead of him. And if that's the absolutely. case, you know, he could end up being an outstanding player.
0: And that's, a, you know, that, and, that, and that's absolutely the point. You know, if, if it was a player at this level at 25, you know, you would start to question, well, how, how, how much more is a player going to improve once they hit 25? But he's mm. not. He's less than 22 years old. And I think yeah. that's that's key.
1: Yeah, it's incredible because we look at Kenny Clark as well. I mean, how young he was coming yes. out. Like, that was scandalous. And then you look at him now and the player he developed into. But um, I think, Andy, you refer to it as a double dip uh, when we talk about the next three picks, if you can kind of bunch them together, which is Luke Musgrave at tight end, uh, Jaden Reed. After that, wide receiver Michigan State and then Tucker Craft tight end from South Dakota State. When you look at these two tight ends, are these good enough? Because look... When you see two tight ends that go high, to me, my eyes go back to the Patriots and what they were able to do uh, with two tight ends on the field. Again, we're talking about Gronk first round Hall of Famer. Um, So, I mean, it's very hard to make that comparison. But Andy, do you see that these are kind of going to make an instant impact? And if you can talk about Jaden Reed as well, because you were particularly high on this player.
2: Yeah, well, firstly, Luke Musgrave. Um, He was the first boom of the three days for me. I really like the pick. Makes a ton of sense. Um, A lot of potential, as we described with Van Ness. Um, High ceiling, loads of upside. Uh, Really exciting pick for me. Um, A lot of hype around Washington uh, pre-draft. But in Musgrave, we absolutely win. I think he was the first player I looked at beginning of sort of March really that really caught my eye just a difference maker a a little bit quicker than some of the other tight ends that were on offer um and then in Tucker Craft um we've got another for me another bona fide athlete really really happy um again huge upside something slightly different um but I think in tandem they could be a absolute combination I really do I think something to be really really excited about with an organization um I couldn't be happier, really couldn't be happy with the two of them. Um, yeah, Superb additions and um can't wait to see them sort of mature and hopefully turn into a, a deadly duo. Um, Reed, um, yeah, I looked at him a lot, an awful lot pre-draft. Uh, his tape's really good, really exciting. Feels like he's a great personality, which is important. Position of need, obviously. It was just his measurables and his RAS score that excluded him from being on the hot, Packers watches for me, given Gootie's record with wide receivers. Um, for the record, at the point where we drafted, um, I liked Rice slightly more. Um, it was Rice and then uh, Reid. Um, I actually like Mingo better than the other two, but he went just before, I think. So yeah. we would have to have traded up to get him. Um, but I do not dislike the pick at all. Um, I think he'd be a really good player. I think he's perfect in terms of the slot capabilities that he's got. Um it's just uh, it irked me a little bit that I excluded him because of his measurables and his RAS score. But that's just gooty for you, isn't it? And that's the way we, uh, we do things. So um, I think over the sort of three picks, we've we've definitely upgraded both rooms, haven't we? And given Jordan Love something to throw to.
1: Yeah, right. What you say about the RAS score? I mean, uh, Lucas Van Ness, RAS of 9.39. Um, Luke Mosgrave, 9.78. Jaden Reed, as you say, is the outlier with six point seven four because after that Tucker Craft nine point six eight, uh, which is bonkers. Yeah. Now we'll get onto him. Uh, Colby Wooden uh, came after that, yeah. but again nine point two four. The tight after that nine point oh four.
2: Yeah, the tight ends. Tight ends this year were bonkers. You know, we talked yeah. about them. You know, a lot, didn't we, in our offensive uh, pod? And um, they're a fantastic group from a from a RAS score perspective, but also on field production as well.
1: So, Andy, you're really good at keying in kind of on, you know, Goody's mindset. Um, and I don't know how you do it, because to me, you know, and we saw the draft get away from one and all that kind of stuff. And you just mentioned it there that he always seems to focus in on RAS score. But didn't he come out this year and say that three times in this draft that the player they were going to go for got taken just before they were going to take him? Would you put Mingo <laughs> on that list of people? Do you think that's why some of this panned out the way it did?
2: Yeah, I think there was. I think Mingo was one. I think QB was definitely another one. And I also think there was a couple of defensive backs on day three that we would have liked that that went as well. So, yeah, I I picked up on that comment as well. And I was trolling through trying to see which ones they were. But yeah, absolutely. But that was my guess. I think one was wide receiver potentially, QB definitely. And I think the other ones were DBs on day three.
1: Hmm. Interesting, Peter, that he went sort of offensive heavy. And you were, you know, we all know that you were in there on the on the I don't know the the fan club for uh, JSN and when he went it was it was pretty shocking to see as well but again I sort of discount my knowledge but like I'm not watching these guys day in day out so when you saw round two and three roll around and we come down with Luke Musgrave Tucker Craft the double tight ends and then Jaden Reed, uh, are you as happy as Andy with that whole piece
0: yeah I loved it I mean I, I think it's difficult Certainly with the two tight ends, but with the three picks, it's difficult to imagine having a better um, you know, day day two of the draft. Um so, you know, the two tight ends you've got to love. Um, you know, Musgrave, um, loads of potential again. This is another high potential player who missed a lot of twenty-two with a with a knee injury but came back and played in the senior bowl and was was really good at the senior bowl. Um and, you know, he's a big guy, 6'5", nearly 6'6", 250-odd pounds. So kind of your prototypical tight end size. And he, you know, and he can move, you know, 4'6", 140. So I, th- so I think Musgrave is a, is a, was an excellent, excellent pick. Um, and, you know, the, sa- the same with, with um, Tucker Craft, Gra- who was a more um, productive receiver throughout his college career. Um, um, at South Dakota State, and yeah, I just love, I just love both of both of those guys, and to have the two of them again, you know, we talked about it with the receivers before, but having the two tight ends almost growing up together, I think, I think is, I think going to be excellent. And then um, Jaden Reed, yeah, so I think that that he surprised us a little bit. So he was around about a hundred on our board, I think. And it's very clear to me that, that they deliberately in this instance are kind of surprised us all by deliberately going away from um, you know the kind of prototypical 6-3, 6-4, 220 two hundred and twenty pound receiver that um, we would normally expect the Packers to take. And I think part of that, as Andy described, was that you know, Mingo had got off the board not long before they not long before they picked. I think what Jaden Reed gives them is versatility hmm. so so, th- so this is a guy that you can line up outside you can line up in the slot you can run jet sweeps and reverses with him it can return kicks and punts it pretty much does everything um and before people start comparing him to amari rogers <laughs> he's five he's five he's 5'11 five nearly 190 pounds so yeah. he's not amari rogers and by the way Jaden reed runs a 445 40 yeah, if that's not too many fours in there. Um, so so, so Jaden so, so Reed is an athlete as well. And he's a high, highly experienced guy and a four year player in, in college at Western Michigan and then Michigan State. So it's very clear that they once perhaps, you know, if they had targeted Mingo once he was off the board, they went for a very specific type of player, I think, in Jaden Reed, a guy that, like I say, can do multiple things in the offense.
1: Did we see this with Romeo Dubs as well, Pete? Where he was supremely experienced, What, he had five years in college or something, and you were yep. high on him because of that, because of the experience that he had. Are we looking at a similar player here?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think Reed is going to be a guy that, um, I just think he's going to, he's, he's what Andy would normally refer to as a little bit of a Swiss Army knife type type of guy. Hmm. Um, just because, because I think they will use him in multiple different ways. So you, so you kind of get your two, two starting guys, Watson and Dubs, and then you get this the third guy that they can line up in the slot, and and he will predominantly be a slot receiver, so he kind of fits that whole, that need anyway. But then I think they'll do some of the kind of Tyler Irving stuff that we saw two or three years ago with, like I say, with the jet sweeps and that kind of stuff. Um, and 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 he has the ability to to. Very good ability, by the way, to return kickoffs and punts. Now, we're not likely to see him in that role with Keyshawn Nixon in that role. But if Nixon started to have more of a role in the defense, then you've got you've got this second guy now that can that can do a really good job on special teams. So did, yeah. we, just, I, did I, we draft no.
1: a Randall Cobb replacement, lads? Is that what we've done here? He sounds very Cobbish, well, does he?
2: Nailed on, I think Peter's nailed it all. I think he may have a bigger role on special teams if Nixon becomes involved in the defense. I think he'll be the gadget player out of the slot. I think he will I can guarantee he'll run the jet suite more effectively than Geronimo Allison. I can mm. guarantee that. and <laughs> um, now, now what I won't I guarantee he is think. he'll be the best wide receiver taken in this draft though. Mm. Longer term. Longer term. I think he'll have his niche and I think he'll be highly productive, particularly out of the slot. But I think we've done some superb things later on in the draft that you may see pay longer term dividends
1: mm. Do you know what stands out to me about this draft and I know we're only you know sort of got through the two days here is that when I read down through these lads profiles um, they seem to have had outstanding years but not last year and they seem to have picked up injuries um, and so I don't know lads if, if that's something or a trend that stood out to you guys um, and I'll sort of throw it to whoever whoever wants it but to me it looks like Goody's banking on players that were graded probably slightly lower than he had them because he thinks they're going to come back for a resurgence. Do you see that trend anywhere? Is that fair to say? It just seems a bit alarming for me.
2: I, I, I think, I don't know, people are probably, um, maybe have a different version of events for me but I, I see a lot of selfishness in players the last year in college you now, um, and what I mean by that is that they're looking after themselves so Musgrave for example was able to make the senior ball and he was asked wasn't he could you have, could you have played the back end of the season he was like possibly um, but I think they're very mindful that there's an LFL career beckoning and I think they make business decisions if that's the right way to put it so um, yeah the body of work you need to look out over sort of two years rather than the one I always yeah. think
0: yeah yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. I think I think the other thing is I think that when you have, you know, what turned out to be thirteen picks in this in this draft, you could sometimes get slightly better value for a guy. You know, other teams will have knocked knocked a guy. Yeah. Let, let's take a musgrave, perhaps down the draft five five places, ten places because he had the injury in twenty twenty two, and all of a sudden you're getting a guy at uh, forty two that perhaps could have gone at thirty two. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that I think that when you have 13 picks, I think you can you can I don't want to say take a chance, but you can throw more of those types of darts if you like. Yeah, I agree.
2: Served us well as well. I think he's definitely seen a different side to him, and it's been been a refreshing change. And I think next year looks much the same, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, because look, like tight end is a great position to have when you've got effectively a your starting quarterback now, albeit he sat behind Aaron Rodgers and all that jazz, limited playing time. He's gonna need big targets. Where have we went wrong with and it's it just come down to personal circumstances? Because you've seen Jay Sternberger not pan out. Uh Deguara, I can only think of that he was drafted to be a certain type of player, which is this big bodied, almost O lineman, you know, sort of not trick play is a wrong word, but you kinda of stick him in on, on different packages. Is this the first real time we think the Packers have gone out? Um, because again, Tonyan had turned into a fantastic tight end because Rodgers was targeting him and then that fell off. Is this the first time we've went out and deliberately gone after pass catching tight ends that are going to be targeted in the middle of the field? Yes.
2: <laughs> For me, yeah. yeah. I think DeGuar is yeah. a H back type. I think I think he was when he brought in. I think he was looking at something different. Sternberger was something that didn't quite pan out, but I think he was 6'4 by recollection, um, and these guys are 6-5, touching 6-6. It's just a different ball game, isn't it? And in the middle of the field, Jordan Love's going to need that first and second read mm. uh, and that mismatch across the middle of the field. So I, I think it's a, a definite um, shift change, if you like, and, and it's yeah, not before time.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. You, you would imagine that these guys kind of more fit. What I think we thought Matt Lafleur's offense was when he came when he came to the Packers, you know, heavy tight end packages, that kind of, that kind of thing. And I think these guys are more of a physical fit for that. You know, they're they're both big, but they're both really good athletes. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know, and again, just to repeat myself, I think Musgrave without the injury was probably an end of first round pick. Yeah. So. All indications are, because he worked out the senior bowl was excellent at the senior bowl, that that injury is behind him. And so, you know, I think the Packers have got, you know, end of first round value, 10 or so picks, 11 picks into the second round.
1: Yeah, it's, I tell you what, it's really exciting, isn't it? Because it looks like exactly as you say, I think LaFleur sold Rodgers on the big playability and you know stuff that could rip the top off defense that would cater to a Hall of Fame quarterback that could do stuff like that. I think this could be a really potent offense, but in a completely different way Um, if they play it right, which is to have two legit tight ends is just... You know, and that, thats why it's very, it's very hard to see fans kind of dog the team and almost want the team to fail in some regard. When you see this, fair, like fair enough, it can go south. Of course, it can. And um, but if we've got nothing else to go on apart from what we see before our eyes being built, I think it's a pretty exciting time to be a Green Bay Packer fan in the inevitable situation that Aaron
0: Rodgers was going to leave eventually anyway. Yeah, and, and it's jigsaw pieces, isn't it? And you and you mm-hmm. and you're putting. You're putting pieces into that jigsaw. But it's a different jigsaw for Jordan Love than what you would have for Aaron Rodgers. I think that's the, that's the point. We're not trying to build an offense now that fits 18 years of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's, the, that's an important point.
1: Yeah, like it's, it's very hard to sort of, I don't know, build a team around the player. That was the problem with McCarthy, I guess. It's very hard to build a team around a quarterback that goes off script. Um, and can play the other games. I, you know. yeah. There's more I,
2: patience as well, isn't there? I think there's more patience in these picks. This is not going to be a tomorrow team, is it? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think this is going to be, you know, in, maybe it's an 18 months time. We'll see the, the benefits of this and last year's draft. Um, and, and if they grow together like we think, we hope they will, then we could, you know, reap the rewards big style.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you have to be realistic, right? Look, Matt LeFleur Lefeu- coming in is not going to change... A 15-year Aaron Rodgers. Well, it's just not not going to happen, and that's not a criticism either of them. That's the reality of yeah. if you've been doing something in a certain way for 15 years, just because somebody might wa- somebody else might want to do it a different way, you're not suddenly going to change. No. Um, and like I say, that's not intended as a criticism of any of them in any in any shape or form. It's easier for him to have had Jordan Love from the start and start to mould him into the offence that he wants to run. Now, whether that offence is going to be successful or not, only time will tell. But I think it it makes sense.
1: Yeah, look, there's an interesting dynamic there, I think, because he's come in, he's proven that he's able to do it with a Hall of Famer, that McCarthy couldn't do. And there's loads of nuance there. But I think LaFleur gets to put on paper to be one of the most winningest, which people keep thinking is the world, but apparently it is, the most winningest coach in his first three seasons, right? So he gets to show the team what he can do, right? There's sort of a farty season and Rodgers goes off. But Pete, exactly as you say, is that there, whether we like it or not, and there was all this talk about when LaFleur came in, would he get along with Rodgers and all that? They found a way between each other to make it work. But we see the difference when Rodgers has now gone to the Jets. He's doing voluntary activities. Um, And again, people are seeing that as sort of a dig to the Packers somehow that, oh, yeah, he'll do for the Jets, but not the Packers. But as you say, we have to take into uh, account here that he was with the team for a very long time. He'd earned his stripes in a certain way. He operated at a certain level. He got back to back MVPs. So whether we want to agree with it or not, things work the way they work because of the tenure that someone has in a place. So now, as you say, I think, and like what you alluded to, Andy, they asked him about it, didn't they? They said, you know, what's the thinking behind it? Jesus, your team's very young. And Gutekunst said, yeah, that's deliberate. You know, it's that all of these guys come up together. It's like what Brett Favre said to Holmgren that time, or Holmgren said to Brett Favre, I should say, is that the two of them are inextricably linked. They can't break that link. So if they go down, they go down together. And that certainly seems to be the way Gudekunst is building this young yeah. squad. If the yeah. squad goes down, he goes down with it. But that's that was his plan all along. Absolutely. But enough of that diatribe. And um, we'll get on to uh, round four, pick 116. Colby Wooden on the edge. Again, we went defense again. Um, Andy are you happy with the Colby wooden pick I can't pretend that I knew a whole lot about him but are we getting value in this pick I
2: think at this point it's just important we say uh, good evening to to Ryan Poles the Bears GM who obviously listens into the podcast because he took Gervin Dexter and Zach Pickens who are my defensive tackles one and two Mm. um, struggling for inspiration he's just obviously listened to us and took both (laughs) Um, so he he was my number three Um, at my heart set well, I was set on either of the, the two, um, and Wooden was was number three, really. Um, so I'm pleased because of the way it unfolded. They went slightly earlier than I sort of thought they would do. So um, as a number three, it was a great sort of standing, if you like. Um, seriously, though, I think the feedback around him is that he's a coach's dream, uh, terrific work ethic, and that football means the world to him. So that's really encouraging. Um, I read a scouting report that said he was great at creating penetration, slightly undersized and versatile, so I'm not sure what tapes they've been watching, but that's what they've come out with, um, mm. but yeah.
1: And Peter, this is an interesting one as well, because again, like you alluded to, the Packers went exactly how you thought they would, which was mostly offense, but if you throw in Colby Wooden and then they went Carl Brooks in round six, which we know you were impressed with, Carrington Valentine round seven, um and then they rounded it out with Anthony Johnson Jr. at safety. Um now we did get a couple of questions into the group account about why the hell aren't the Packers going safety, but um you as I alluded to before is that is because the class were kind of a lot weaker this year. Throwing all of those picks together, are they pretty damn good picks at this late in the round, do you think?
0: Oh, I think I think they are. So if if you start with Woodham, right? And I will I will give ourselves a shout-out here. He was 116 on our board. He mm. went up pick 117. That's not bad, right? We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. give ourselves a shout-out for that one. Um, and he would go higher. The, the, the issue with Wooden, right? so, so he's a better player than that, right? So, so this is a guy that, as a player, pure player, you'd think this is a day-two pick. Right? The reason he wasn't in that position on our board, and, and clearly the Packers thought in a similar way, is – or probably thought in a similar way, was it's not quite clear what position he plays at the next level. Right. So so he's played all along the defensive line for 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 the Auburn Tigers. He's 6'4, 273 pounds, which is closer in size to Lucas Van Ness than it is to say Carl Brooks that we're gonna that we're gonna get to or Kenny Clark. So it's not quite clear at the next level, you know, is this guy an edge? Is this guy uh, uh, plays a bit defensive line, bit of edge? Who who quite knows? So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they use how they use Wooden because they mm. may move him out to the edge.
2: Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. Um, I thought they'd but, ask him to put a bit of weight on. He could still do both, maybe. but I, I think yep. they'll ask him to put 10 pounds of muscle on and, um, and maybe do some of the interior work as well.
0: Yeah, maybe so. So it's going to be yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they use it what, what what he is is explosive right so you'll see if you watch any of the film you'll see him appear in the backfield a lot right so he has that first step where he, shoot, he shoots the gap a lot right usually you know the, the 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 a gap or the b gap he shoots that a lot and appears in the backfield a lot doesn't always make the play right when you're as fast as he is sometimes you run past the play right <laughs> but but you know, absolutely explosive athlete. And certainly there's a lot to work with, with, with him. And then, you know, you mentioned the other defensive players. We, we both loved Carl Brooks and certainly, you know, he's one of those guys that d- doesn't have the RAS score that, that some of the other guys has, but for, for a guy playing purely on the defensive line, his 40 is around five seconds, which is not bad for a guy on purely playing on the, on the, defensive line and he's a guy that i think is a better athlete than any of his than any of those raz scores or spark scores show um and he's versatile can play on the nose can play three four defensive end um you know and, he, and he's a guy that had 10 sacks last year seven and a half the year before has got better every single year in college so you know there's a little bit of a theme there with these guys same with van ness as we mentioned earlier Very, very experienced, played five years in college. And it's just one of those guys that kind of has gone under lots of teams' radars, I think. I don't understand Um,
1: that, lads. I don't, because when you look at these, there's a write-up of him here that I'm looking at. And it says that he led Bowling Green in sacks each year between 2018 and 22. Um, And the fact that he's referred to as a tweener type at 296. But he seems like a hell of a player. He dominated, Steve. He, yeah. he
2: absolutely dominated. Albeit at a lower level, he dominated. Yep. And I think we talked about him extensively in the defensive pod, didn't we, before the, uh, before the draft. And um, Peter alluded to the fact he hadn't been invited to the combine. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, I was, it was the most satisfying pick of the draft for me. Cause I think every mock I did pre-draft, he was in it somewhere, whether he was a sleeper or a non-sleeper. He's just a good football player. Yeah. He's a really good football player. He's a great character. I watched lots of interviews pre-draft about him. And his work ethic is tremendous. He's just somebody you root for. Um, so I'm really excited by the pick. Really excited.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think that, again, he's another, he's another guy like, like Luke, Mus- Luke Musgrave, who was excellent at the whole of the senior bowl, the practices and, and, and the game. And that showed... That he could play, you know, alongside his peers, the, the, the top some of the top players in college football. So even though he played at Bowling Green, which is an FBS school, it's in the MAC. Um, you know, he showed at that at the senior bowl that he belongs. Yeah. And I expected that after the senior bowl that he would get a late invite to the combine. It just never came. It was to me, it's it's bizarre. But there are always, you know, a couple of guys that for some reason they don't get that invite. I mean, the other one we talked about on the pods, Marty Mapu, the guy out of Sacramento State, I think ended up going in like the third or fourth round to New England. New England, yeah. Yeah. Bizarre.
1: And then um, Valentine as well, Pete. This is a yeah. guy. Is this special teams? Is this Rich Passaccia getting
0: his way? Well, I think, I think what you get with that, so he's absolutely a, an excellent special, special teams guy. So he plays on every special teams unit. Um, gained a bit of a reputation for blocking kicks in high school on special teams has done has been a kick was a kick returner as well in in high school but plays on all the special teams coverage units and what he what valentine is, is is a really good athlete really good athlete and he's super physical and aggressive yeah so just the kind that you need on special teams now i think he's going to develop into a good corner as well but some of that aggressiveness some of that physicalness it's going to need to be tempered at, at corner. You, you, you need that feistiness. But you've got to be careful of <laughs> holding penalties and all of that good stuff. And, you know, good good route runners are going to destroy you if you're over aggressive. Yeah. So some of that stuff needs to be tempered. But he has the ability to be a good corner. But absolutely, day one... Super special teams guy.
1: And again, that you mention it, and this is one thing that's mentioned, Andy, for Anthony uh, Johnson Jr. is his aggressiveness as well. How do you feel about these defensive guys?
2: Well, like we talked about, it was a very good corner group. Um, I like lots of the corners that went just before Valentine. But I think he's got a great size, speed combination. Um, And if you think about it, he's got a great opportunity in front of him, particularly with Stokes coming off the injury. So I think, although his value is in special teams, um, you know, he'll have an opportunity to sort of um at least, you know, make it to the dime defense, I would imagine. Um, and, and he is feisty. <laughs> That's exactly what I put down. He's very feisty, he's a bit handsy, isn't he? And a bit grabby. Yeah. Yeah. Um so, so I can imagine a few flags coming his way. But if he you know, if they can sort of tailor that down a little bit, I think we've got an interesting um prospect on our hands there. Um Anthony Johnson Jr., um, oh God, I was Barking from him from about round five onwards yeah. <laughs> in, in a really poor safety group. Um, he, remember, he's a converted cornerback um, and I think he's got the the tangibles that you need to be a successful safety in the league. High character guy, high effort guy. He's got a fantastic opportunity in front of him as well, hasn't he? Because looking at the depth chart, we don't really have one at the minute, do we? So um, in, in a, in a section, in an area, in a position group that was a, a dearth of talent. He was the only one, really, um, that was, after the guy from California, Scott, had gone, then he was the only one that we were barking for, really. So really pleased, really, really pleased with that. And if you have the opportunity to go and watch some of his highlights, he's a he's a highly amped up guy, isn't he? He's, um, yeah, he loves the game.
1: So we seem to have done well defense-wise. So offense then, again, when you start to get into the lower rounds, some of these things tend to be a bit of a punt. Um, and speaking of punting, uh, we got a kicker, Anders Carlson from Auburn. <laughs> oh um, yeah. Now, again, Andy, you said and you didn't reveal it because I think we dived onto the mics because we wanted to catch uh, this type of stuff live. Yeah. But what what's going on with Anders Carlson? Nothing against him, but you have a theory, do
2: you? So I think as part of Rich Besacchi's promotion, I think they they agreed to give him a draft pick. That's how I saw it going down. <laughs> so so I think he's gone up to Gootie and said, look. I have a bloke I used to work with and I know his brother and he's not bad at footy. And it's like one of those, shall I bring him along? And (laughs) Gooty's looked at him and said, well, we have no better solutions, so why not? Yeah. So we've ended up we've ended up drafting him, haven't we? So that's that's my theory on that one. Um, I wasn't high on this year's safety crop, and I was even less high on this spaghetti leg bunch of kickers. Honestly, <laughs> 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 I mean the forty nine of spending around round three pick on Moody you know yeah. seeks of desperation for me. Um, we have an issue obviously with the kicker, but I don't think this is a solution. If he is, then there's a lot to correct mechanics. Uh, strength of his leg, distance, trajectory, timing, accuracy. Yeah, all the best. Um, yeah, lot to work on. Bassach going to have to earn his money if uh, if he's the guy. Just yeah,
1: me. he's he's um he's obviously pulled for him because as you say, he worked with his brother um with the Raiders for three and a half years, yeah. and yeah. I love that they say that him he's after equaling his brother's long of fifty two, and I'm like, ouch. <laughs> you know what I mean? If that's your you know, if he's going offer... to three
2: kicks in Lambo in one game. Yeah.
0: That's not, you know, you know, anyway.
1: yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe when they made the, the younger one, they made him better, Pete, did they? Maybe they just improved them. Just I... a bit of magic so, so, potion.
0: So of, of all the picks, this is the one I don't understand. Mm. Right. So I, I understand, even though Moody had gone and he was pretty much the only kicker we talked about on the, on the pod last week, I understand them taking a... If this isn't an oxymoron, taking a punt at a kicker, um, <laughs> late, late, late in the draft, but it still wouldn't have been this guy. And and um and whilst you can't always tell, right? You can't always tell from college performance. But this is a guy that's under seventy two percent career field goals.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know his last two years have been like sixty seven percent and seventy one percent. So it's not like he's a guy that that was bad at the start of his career and has got better. He's been reasonably consistent around that level through most yeah. of his most of his career. You know, it's five of nineteen fifty plus yards. So he's not coming in as anti city. He's not coming in with a with a strong leg. You know, you can almost understand it if a guy Yeah he's not he's not 100 percent accurate within the 40, but you know what? He's got a booming leg and he'll kick 60 yard game winners. That's not him either his touchback percentage is, is in the 50% number, you know, between somewhere between 50 and 60. So it's not like he's a huge kickoff guy. So this is one of those where on paper, from what we've seen and from what we can gather, it's it's the most or the least understandable kick. And this is one where we just have to trust the process. We have to trust that they know something that we don't.
1: It's When you hear someone say we have to trust the process, <laughs> it's a very cold language for <laughs> uh, what, what's going on here. Andy, I can imagine your blood pressure was pretty high. If you were screaming for Anthony Johnson Jr. Uh, from round five onwards and then Carl Brooks comes in and you're like, yeah, you know, what? Yeah, that's a fantastic player. That's yeah. one of the, It like, was the
2: original roller coaster from Clifford <laughs> yeah. to, to Wicks, which I enjoyed. And then it was like Carl Brooks and we got to this peak and then we came straight back down to. The kicker from
0: Auburn yeah, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes you, you look at these things and you think, um, I can get that they decided that they needed to get a kicker. But one of the questions you always ask yourself, once you kind of get particularly to fifth, sixth, seventh round, was would somebody else have drafted this guy or would he have been there as an undrafted free agent? <laughs> now, we, you don't know the answer to that question, but I think you, in your gut you have a pretty good feeling about the answer to that question.
1: Hmm. it's it is a weird one and again I thought maybe all right he's he's known the brother uh, he's impressed yeah. with him and as well as that it, this uh, Carlson this version um, had, had said about you know his brother's success where he is now and um, he sort of puts on Rich Passaccia and says he's the reason Um, but he says that he doesn't really know him a whole lot himself it's just what he's heard about him so it's not even a case of and I know Nepo babies are in the news an awful lot about people going oh he got in because of his bro like look the guy had his college career fair play to him is after getting drafted but it's definitely not a case that Passaccia knows him intimately it would seem well Probably from looking at his tape he he tells he can get something out of him and whatever his experience with the problem. I I just
2: think it'll be a long way removed from the Zender has um, legacy that we saw way back in the late (laughs) eighties, wasn't it, Peter? I think. I don't I just don't see it happening.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, again, he's the sort of more one that's, as you say, less understandable. The other one that's come in for criticism is Sean Clifford. And we did touch on him at the top of the podcast. Um, But when you put Clifford together with uh, Dontavian Wicks, the wide receiver from Virginia... Um and again, Andy, I'm interested to see what you say about uh Lou Nichols the third, because you're always good for your late round running backs. And then another one who was on uh, your radar was Grant DeBose. Um so coupling all of those together, uh what gets your juices flowing on those, Andy?
2: Well, the two wideouts. Mm. Yeah, it was um yeah, over the moon. Yeah, because particularly because we, we'd we obviously highlighted the two guys, Wicks and Dubois, on the, on the pod, hadn't we? Um start with Dubois, our buzzing, absolutely buzzing. He was our number three sleeper, wasn't he, that we highlighted. Uh, it, it's unfair to get too excited or burden him with a weight of expectation being a seventh-round pick, but I can remember a certain Donald Driver that we drafted in the seventh round, exceeding mm-hmm. all expectations. And this guy, from humble beginnings, he has all the ingredients you need to be a special down-the-road player. I kid you not, honestly. He's, and what do you um, say
1: that, Andy, what is it about him? Uh,
2: everything. Uh, everything. He just he just looks like a wide receiver. He plays with a, a kind of... He plays every play like it's his last play. Um, and I, I love that about somebody. Donald Driver, you remember the touchdown he scored against San Francisco where he took down about nine defenders and <laughs> trailed them all the way to the end zone, do you remember, yeah. at Lambeau? Hmm. Um, yeah, that's the sort of thing you'll get with Dubose. I just think he's, um, it obviously means the world to him. He's come from humble beginnings and he, not necessarily the sort of privilege upbringing that you'd expect going on to the NFL. And he just plays with a, a reckless abandon. I think it's a fantastic pick, I really do. Um but he's got great size, he's got great speed, got good hands. Um, I, not What's not to like, I think it's a fantastic pick. Yeah, I really why do. Did,
1: why did he fall so much then, do you think? Why wasn't he not on the radar? <laughs>
2: Small school, a, a, yeah. lot, a lot to play with it, yeah. Yeah, lack of exposure, isn't it? Um, I thought it was a, a decent crop of wide receivers, but I think he just went under the radar for, for many people. Um, yeah, I'm not sure why. With with Wicks, it's slightly different. I think is. 21 tape was a, was a lot better than his 22 um is i think if he would have taken his 21 he'd have been around around 2 i would i would imagine given his size and his speed and he's got some elite traits um, um he's had issues with drops um but you get a no complete prospect on on day 3 typically iso so uh, again we're, we're betting on his potential but um yeah he's got a lot of potential so those two guys i was particularly excited about um for for the potential and the future of the Green Bay Packers, but also the fact that we'd obviously homed in on them before the draft had started. So that was great. Um, The running backs, most of the lower round running backs that I liked had gone, uh, gone off the board. So we ended up with uh, obviously Lou Nichols. Um, I I don't know a lot about him, I'll be really honest. Um, I've looked at him post-draft, some good stats, good size. Mm. um, No complaints because he's worth a punt. Uh, um, But I'll be honest, I I don't know a whole lot about him, to be honest, eh?
1: And Peter Lou Nichols, then I know, and you can sort of if you can sound off on the wide receivers as well because it's you know what when I hear you guys get excited about players, it instantly gets me excited. I know it does the listeners too. Uh, but Lou Nichols, um, Peter, they're saying shades of Eddie Lacy uh, with this guy, and they yeah. said that he had an incredible twenty twenty one season, but injuries. Kind of messed up his twenty twenty two, which is kind of what I was alluding to earlier. Another one of these players who had a fantastic season, then seemingly injury ravaged, uh, coming in. Uh, is he a guy to? Is he Eddie Lacy? Because that'd be exciting. Uh,
0: it's that type of back, I hmm. would say. So, 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 it's a guy that, um, yeah, he, he, um, he hits the hole a little bit quicker than I think people give him give him credit for. Um, you know, it's kind of kind of a one cut type type back who who's, um, you know, he's, he's a he's type of back that would kind of reel off 10 yards here and 15 yards there and then four yards and then another 10 and another 15. Yeah. He's typically not the type of back. He had a couple of um, long runs, but he's typically not the type of back that's going to reel off 60 yards here and 70 yards there. It's not that type of, type of back, but he's, he's really solid. And I think that, you know, he was the Mac offensive player of the year in 2021. So as you described, you know, it was really good in 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 2021, and he had he's durable. So he had a number of 200-yard rushing games where he carries the ball a lot. You know, a number of rushing games over 150 150 yards as well. So he's one. He is a durable back, a bit like Lacey was before before Eddie started eating the chips and stuff. <laughs> um, too many yeah. too many crisps and coca-colas or whatever but you but you know to be fair lacy was a really good back but you know he's that type of back mm. now you know i'm not going to put him at, at, at that level he's playing again another another guy from the mac at central michigan and, and interestingly he was a guy that the Packers had in for a visit so so i think at, at this point in the draft it's they're looking for that third running back this is a guy that we know we like we've we've spoken to him Good yeah. hands apparently it, it,
1: as well, Pete. They say he's good cast uh, patch patch casting ability, Jeremy. Pass catching ability, if you will. Um, I yeah,
0: don't know he does. He, much of that. Yeah, he does. He does have good hands. I don't have his 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 numbers in front of me, unfortunately. But but yeah, but yeah, I mean, he's a nice all round all round back without being, you know, a big explosive type back. And and I think that it will be interesting in camp. You know, if. If they keep three wide, three running backs, which is what they've typically done, um, you know, I think he's in competition with Patrick Taylor for that for that third spot because I still wouldn't rule Patrick Taylor out of winning that third running back spot.
1: Yeah, they're they're high enough on Taylor. So Dontavian Wicks, then, and um, yeah, Debose, are are you as high yeah. on these guys as well? Are these these are not camp bodies, obviously, by the way? No, no, very... not,
0: not not at all. And Andy really picked these guys out last week when we did the offensive. Um, pod um yeah i mean wicks yeah yeah another one of those guys really really productive you know his best year was in 2021 so so the, you're absolutely right steve there is a little bit of a theme here but that theme typically means that you've got you've got better players further down the draft than they otherwise would be yeah um but yeah I mean, you've picked out a really good point there so yeah wicks wicks i really like it and and debose yeah would have gone higher so he played two years in Division two level of football and, and hardly played, by the way, as well in those two years of Division two. Then transferred to Charlotte, which is an FBS school, but it's not one of the big FBS schools, you know, outside the Power Five. So really, only two years of um, top level football, and then it wasn't the top top level, which is why he he slipped further down the draft than I think he otherwise would have done. Um, and Andy Andy made a really good point is that wide receivers deep every year you know you can bet every year just pick the top 25 receivers and they're all going to be drafted yeah Uh, and and it's difficult for a guy that isn't a an Alabama or a Michigan or an Ohio State Tennessee to break into that top group because there's so many of them um so I, I think you absolutely can pick up um yeah, you know, really good players at wide receiver late in the draft, and I'm still not ruling out Samari Torre as well. Yeah. You know, we need to see how he de- develops this coming year, but but Dubose is a is a really nice player, also a really good special teams player by the way, another really good special teams player. So that's going to help those units a lot.
1: Yeah, God, we've so many. Look, like it's going to. The special teams cannot be a problem. We have so many um, <laughs> good players in there, Jesus. So, look, um, Andy, when you look at this draft as a whole, then, have you any sort of lingering thoughts on it um, from your point of view, from seeing all these players laid out?
2: No, I think it's just a, a feeling of expectation and excitement, really. Um, I think it's been a good draft in what wasn't a. Not not a vintage draft year, I don't think. Um, I think if you look back to the sort of back of drafts of 2008 and 2009, those were the catalysts for the 2010 Super Bowl season, the likes of Raji and Matthews and Sutton and um, uh, TJ Lang and Nelson. Um, so I think this is where it has to start. You know, I think taking away sort of Watson from last year and like Torre and you know Dobbs and people like that. I think this is the start, really, isn't it? And it, it won't come without its bumps in the road. Um, they'll mature together. There's clearly a bit of a philosophy shift. I think with the addition of Love over Rogers, uh, and strap in and look forward to the ride.
1: Yeah, Peter excited.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just want to um, give a little bit of a shout out to Guti here, particularly with what he did with those with those trades in round two. You know, so it's turning the forty-fifth pick yeah. into the fiftieth pick. So in essence only going down five spots through two trades. And through those two trades, he managed to get Dontavian Wicks and Carl Brooks. Those were the picks that the Packers got from those trades. Huge. So, huge. so so you have to say that was that was huge. And quite possibly still got the player he wanted as well in in, yeah. in round two. So Whilst whilst you know people will question this pick and that pick, I think you really have to say well done because that that piece of work was was absolutely superb. So I think it's I think it's exciting. I think that yes, I was disappointed on, on day one, but I think what they did on day two and then, you know, picking up Andy's guy's wicks in particular later on in the draft kind of made up for that. So yeah, on 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 paper, and it's always on paper at this stage. But, <laughs> but one of the one of the better draft classes, I, I I would say.
1: Yeah, it seems to be unanimous. I think, and like you say, there's people putting out draft grades. Uh, there's people with different reasons for putting them out. You know, some people looking at the players, and other people looking at the strategy. But I, I think you are nail on the head stuff. When you say it's very, it seems to be very very solid. Uh, the intention seems to be good. In the sense that, you know, they went Lucas Van Ness fine, but again, if his best ball is in front of him and he turns out to be this dynamite yep. um edge player will then bring it on. And then the tight ends as well, and then Jaden Reed, you know, low Raz score, but again, an exception there. Look, it's it's a it's an exciting time to be a Packers fan. But again, you lads know there was frustration in years gone by and it's their first year without Rodgers. So it's kind of a, it's a watch this space, but The draft coverage on this podcast with um, you two guys at the IT Hedgehog and at Pooley Shrew has been absolutely outstanding. Peter, your guide is incredible. Um, My pants are fully down by my ankles, you'd like to know, including my boxers. Um, So, look, the thing is, is, and this is the way I see it, right, is that I don't care about um, people saying anything because when you lay on praise on someone where praise is due, um, the great and uh, unfortunately late Chris Westling was on the podcast. And I'll never forget, you know, really thanking him to take his time out to come on the podcast. And so it was complimentary to him. And one of the comments I got was like, oh, can you get your nose out of his backside, please? You know, and I look back at that and I go, look, you have to let people know just how fantastic they are and not shy away from it. And Peter, the... This level of work, uh, your attitude around it, um, your podcast performances over this period. um, It's been all incredibly selfless stuff as well and red hot analysis, measured analysis. Um, And Andy, you've been the Packers guru for as long as they can remember uh, with us. And again, to be able to pick out the picks that you do, the strategy that Goody goes on, um, it's just really a second to none. So I think... It's a privilege for me to chair it, um, and I think it's fantastic for the fan base on this side of the pond. The two of you guys are really the best in the business on both sides of the pond. Um, so my top is now off, uh, I would like to say, <laughs> and I'm getting slightly oiled down. Um, but look, lads, um, from the bottom of my heart, and certainly from, I know, the fans listening and the feedback we got, a huge thank you from me and everybody.
2: Oh, it's an enjoyable ride. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, I, I, There's a silence.
0: I don't well, I don't really know what to say to that. I, we we do it because we love it. We love the Packers. We love the draft, Andy, and I have loved the draft for years and years and years. And yeah, I know I, I personally know that I don't, I don't always get all of this stuff right. But we do it, you know, because we because we enjoy it, because we because we love it. And we just hope that, you know, we share that love, that passion with, you know, with with the people that read the draft guide or listen to and listen to the pods and just hope that it helps, you know their yeah. enjoyment of, of 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 the thing that we love.
2: Just not the Bears GMs, though, Peter. Yeah, just not <laughs> just not
0: Bears GMs. So,
2: yeah. Steve, when you're getting that little map out that tells you who's listening to it, where, if you see yeah. something in Illinois, you know who that is. Yeah. Okay, uh, You just need to get well, There it?
1: was. There was one, and the uh, he's listening to it about ten times a day. I think we probably have our culprit <laughs> there. I'll try, I'll try find a way to block okay. him the next time. Yeah. Um, but look, I mean, in a world of sort of shameless self promotion, um, and all of these guys coming out and giving their opinions on poor old Sean Clifford, uh, that really shouldn't have. I think you guys are far too modest, um, with your coverage. So go along and follow, please, at the IT Hedgehog and also at Pooley Shrew two fantastic followers if you think these lads are good on the draft well then you should see the opinions that they have on the team from a wealth of experience so please go ahead and follow them um, if you want to follow a rambling Irishman I'm at Steedy the NFL. and if you want to win a trip to Lambeau Field for a fiver well then get on to patreon.com forward slash UK Packers and we'll be doing that draw the more months that you're in if that's a phrase uh, well then the more chances you have um, to win and that my kids can actually go to college and I don't have to spend their college fund on this trip as well it would be greatly appreciated uh, but anyway um, until next week um, it's a big Go Pack Go and we'll talk to you then
0: Go Pack Go